I am so encouraged to be here today and to look out to the crowd and what I am very amazed about, impressed about, is that there are so many young people here. Wow. Praise God for that. And uh, I, I'm assuming lots of homeschoolers. Can you raise your hand if you're homeschooled? You've got quite a few homeschoolers here. Can you uh, raise your hand if you are teaching homeschool? If you are the, if you are the parent teaching homeschool or parents? I saw, I saw a team right there raising their hands. Uh, my, my beautiful wife and my lovely children, they just walked in not too long ago. Their names are Melissa, that's the name of my wife, and then my two sons, uh, Jaden and Carter, and my wife. Uh, she is the primary teacher in homeschool. She does 99% of it, and I'm able to fill in when I'm home, so, and uh, able to instill just our values, our biblical worldview uh, into their lives as well. And so this is something that's very dear to us, uh, and to, to see such a turnout and the type of turnout that it is, and to um, be able to talk about this very important topic. Um, and uh, uh, just a heads up on this, it's really incredible as, as we're sitting here today and we're listening to these different presentations, and I listen to Israel here with his presentation. The work he done, he, he's done is absolutely extensive and incredible. I, I think that that lays a very good foundation for the talk I'm supposed to, uh, that I'm going to be giving here in just a minute. And uh, the terms I'm going to be using are going to be a little bit different. There's going to be some overlap, though, as well. Uh, it, they're going to be very common terms that you've probably all heard of. By the way, is anybody aware that this is an election year for the president of the United <laughs> States? <laughs> so you've probably heard things like Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, progressive, libertarian, all these terms already. And we're going to get into that here in just a second, but before doing that, what I'd like to do is kind of tell you why I am passionate about this topic. Uh, as Jason told you, my name is Bill Sang. Oh, and you know, let me give you a quick introduction of myself as well. My name is Bill Sang. I am the pastor or worship leader out here at Faith Presbyterian Church. I am a husband and a father, and those are my two most important roles right there. Uh, I also am an author too, so I've written a number of books. And actually, I want to take a brief moment to announce that I have just released a brand new book. Uh, it's a fictional story, and it's part of a trilogy so far that I've accomplished called uh, Jigonatus Rex. If anybody's into giant monster movies and stuff like that, think about that mixed with the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I enjoy writing it, so I hope that you'd be able to enjoy reading it as well. Uh, and uh, I, I actually left those books back at my seat right there, but I have some copies uh, of the various works that I've done. I only have one copy of my newest one, which is called Jigonatus Rex, Orphans of Eden. And actually, as Israel was speaking, I was thinking of some of the themes that go throughout this book, uh, how politics influences culture and, and so forth. Good book series, trust me on it. <laughs> also, um, I've written a book by the name of The World That Then Was. It's a book on creationism, and it's, a, it's a, my biggest book by far. It's about 300 pages, my first book I've written right out of seminary. Katie was my editor for that, uh, by the way, and she's still in the editing business, too. That was her second book that she edited right next to Jason's. And Jason, what was the name of your, how consistency changed how Being Consistent Changed Everything is Jason DeZurek's book. So, uh, and all these can be found, by the way, out on the bookshelf. Uh, the Giganatus Rex ones cannot, the World Them What, the World Them Was cannot. But one book that I did write that can, that can be found on our bookshelf is Ten Irrefutable Proofs of Creation. Um, that one is out there. And also I've written one in the relationship between predestination and free will called uh, Predestined for Eternity. 
Also, Katie has three books out there. Uh, Charlie Walcott from the Worldview Warriors and uh, Logan Ames even has a book out there. So feel free to stop by that desk and at Israel's uh, bookshelf. Uh, bookshelf. You know what I'm talking about. The place with all the books out there. <laughs> feel free to stop by there as well and check those out. and You'll be able to take your learning to the next level. So why is politics? Why are politics something that are important to me? Well, something that I have noticed inside of my life is whenever I've found myself to be misled by something, and then I, and it's revealed to me, I tend to be a little bit more passionate about it. Uh, Jason and I, we really kicked it off. The whole way we in, in, uh, were introduced to one another was about the topic of creationism, creation and evolution. When I was in college was when I became a young earth creationist. And uh, when I started to see the facts come out that really contradicted what I believe. I was, I've always been a Christian, but I didn't always know about this perspective known as young earth creationism. And as soon as, as I was introduced to that and the facts, I have to say I was a little bit uh, perturbed that I'd been lied to all those years of my life. And so I invested lots of time into learning about it. Likewise, it was toward the end of college and the beginning of seminary that I really started stumbling upon the world of politics. When you're in college, kind of, you know, if you're a conservative going into college, kind of the way you see things is that uh, you're on the right end of the spectrum and the liberals are on the left end of the spectrum. And uh, as you go through your college life, if you're not totally converted to liberalism as you're at and during your college experience, you probably think you should gravitate more toward the middle. Why is that? Well, because everybody else is so far left that you don't be the 100% oddball right here. So you want to be a little bit closer to their point of view. And that's honestly exactly what I did. I started to gravitate more and more uh, towards the middle until finally, I don't know what the moment was, but I started realizing that there's no reason to drift toward the middle because everything on the left happens to be a lie. It's going to put it frank there. I'm just, going to be, I'm just going to put it out there for you to chew on real quick. So my presentation today is going to be not so much on the lie aspect of it, but to break down the way that we really think. When we use terms like liberal and conservative, libertarian, progressive, and then also I am adding two other terms to the list, uh, controllers and conformists. You might see it as authoritarians in the, term, in the place of, uh, of controllers. And we're going to discuss how people end up in those various stages and the relationships they have to one another. And I'm calling this talk the political pizza. You'll see why here shortly. All right, it worked. Perfect. <laughs> so first of all, what are politics? So when I ask you, and, I, and I'm actually looking for a response here, when I ask you the question, what are politics, or I mention the word politics, what comes to your mind? Anybody have any input on that one? The government. The government. Good. Jaden? Who you vote for. Very good. What other thoughts come to mind? Word politics. Come on, it's more inflammatory than that. <laughs> what is that? Headaches. Headaches. Do you like politics? No. No, okay. <laughs> Who else? Who else? Any other response to this one? Go ahead. Arguing, yes. Oh my goodness. I think of the debates and everything. You got lots of arguing when it comes to politics, absolutely. One or two more? Go ahead, Jaden. The election. The election. Jaden doesn't listen to politics at all, by the way. <laughs> the election. Very good, very good. Any others? One more? If not, that's okay. That's pretty good. Okay, so um, politics. 
what comes to your mind when you're politics. So we can all agree that, honestly, I don't really know anybody that truly likes politics. We study politics. We think about politics. Our lives are influenced by politics. But I don't know anybody who will admit that they honestly love politics. I thought I saw a hand go up, but that was just my imagination. <laughs> politics. What are politics? Politics are the application of one's worldview to a civil society. Politics are the application of one's worldview to a civil society. And what that means is that we live in a political, uh, political system. We call that a nation or a country. Because we live in a nation or a country, we are bound by the politics, by the worldview that comes with that country. The United States of America, of course, was founded upon Christian principles. And thus, our political system from the get-go, the Constitution, was influenced by Christian values. Of course, we've established now that, that is now under attack. And this is where the, world, the war of the worldviews really come in. And that's why I believe that this talk is very much appropriate for this venue. We're called the Worldview Warriors, right, Jason? Okay, just making sure on that one right there. So um, that's why I believe that's relevant there. And this quote, by the way, was spoken by a very famous, well-known, respected, good-looking author. There you go. <laughs> so I, I came up with that myself. And by the way, as I mentioned homeschool, this is one of the things I'm going to encourage you all with, uh, both uh, parents, teachers, and students alike. Uh, lots of this stuff that I've come up with here, I have literally come up with it. Okay, So it's just from observing people, observing circumstances, observing the political system play out, observing people's voting, how they change their minds on things, all those things put together. And you know what? I think that's a good thing. Um, one thing I commonly say, and I actually wrote it in, when, I, uh, uh, when I signed my book to my parents, my first book to my parents, I, uh, what was it in dedication? One or the other. I put it this way. I said that my dad taught me what to think. My dad taught me what to think. My mom taught me how to think. My mom taught me how to think. And so both of them together instilled in me, I think, a pretty good worldview and system for belief because my mom taught me how to think through things. My dad taught me uh, what the Bible said. So, you know, it was an excellent system we had going there. And so uh, devising stuff, uh, I, I think, is perfectly uh, fine in this context, especially in the world of politics where all the terminology is so confusing and uh, it's changing all the time, I think, by design, as a matter of fact. Um, so why are we discussing politics today? You see, the very first point there is, well, we're kind of not uh, in the respects of probably not in the traditional sense of how you would imagine them. Normally, when we say politics, what comes up? Issues. We start talking about, you know, are you pro-abortion or pro-life? Are you for high taxes or low taxes? Or, you know, how do you think that the justice system should be operating? Or isn't there something with the Supreme Court, too? So, you know, we are just bombarded with political issues and stances and things that uh, we're wondering about what direction our country should be going. And so uh, today, as we talk about politics, remember that first definition I gave right there, there that I'm referring to it as uh, the application of one's worldview to civil society. Okay, so people use terms like conservative, liberal, libertarian, progressive, etc., and think that these are terms exclusive to political parties. They aren't. 
uh, when we think when I, in seminary, and if you just listen to the radio, you listen to Christian broadcasting, you'll hear references to uh, conservative Christians and liberal Christians, or conservative Bible scholars and liberal Bible scholars. What do, it's, it's funny because you all have an idea of exactly what that means, but I don't think I've ever heard that truly articulated what we are talking about when we say conservative Christians and liberal Christians. In fact, Israel, as you're talking about the, uh, uh, the Southern Baptists and the PCA, I would generally consider those to be conservative Christians. And they probably consider themselves to be conservative Christians. But do they know what that means? And that's where I would say probably not. They probably do not know what that means, and that's probably why they're drifting. Uh, and that's not the only reason why they're drifting. There's more to it than that, but that's probably part of the reason why they are drifting from what uh, the, the purpose of the Bible and the gospel and Jesus Christ and all the things that come in the package are all about and moving into an area I don't think the church belongs. Um, so, uh, so the same terms, particularly liberal and conservative, are used referring to the Bible. Uh, these are actually worldview terms that can be applied to just about anything. I will talk about that a little bit more in my second talk, the Bible and politics. But really quick, I'm going to give you an idea of what these terms that I just listed right here are all about. And actually, I have to skip a couple of slides, so bear with me because I put it in the wrong spot. Sorry. So I'm going to jump ahead here. There's a political pizza, just in case you're wondering. Okay. So how to politicize everything. When I was discussing this talk with my wife, Melissa, again, she's right there. So don't look at her too long. She's my wife. <laughs> but um, uh, as we were discussing this, this talk, uh, we were actually ordering food out and we were going to pick it up. We were sitting in the, uh, not the drive through in the parking spot. It's so weird to say. Um, we were sitting in the parking lot and she asked me, well, how would you describe, well, what illustration could you use to help people to understand what these terms truly mean? We were just sitting there and we were watching cars go down uh, the road and all of a sudden, you know what? Cars. Let me explain to you conservatives, liberals, and so forth in terms of cars, all right? So, when we say conservative, when a conservative sees a car driving down the road, the first thought that comes to your mind is, oh, a car, cool. Wonder what kind of car it is. What's the make? What's the color? I, I wonder how many miles that car has on it. Is it for sale? Um, I wonder where I can get one like that. All these things, or you know, just, I can't believe that human beings created such, a, such an invention that we're able to get from point A to point B faster. That is generally how a conservative sees cars, okay? And how they see the world is, they see it just simply as it is. You've heard the term, you've heard the phrase, say what you mean and mean what you say. That is a conservative philosophy right there. I don't know about in the formal sense, but as we apply today, that's exactly what we're talking about. Mean what you say and say what you mean. The world is as it is. It is what it is. It's actually a very good summation of the conservative philosophy. Now, liberal. This is where it gets fun, okay? So, what do, how does a liberal view a car driving down the road. Well, they say, see that car? What about everybody who doesn't have a car? What do we do about them? What do we do for them? Maybe we should get them cars. Or uh, what about the carbon emissions and the pollution it puts out into the air? So you see where it's going. Liberalism, in its truest form, is a philosophy of grievance. That they find out who is being oppressed 
by a given institution, thing, whatever it might be, and then they go on their quest, their social justice quest, to make it right. Okay? And, I, and right now, at this moment, I'm not saying whether that's good or bad. That's just how it is. I mean, that's what liberalism is, as even implied by the name. Liberal comes from liberate, and so their goal is to bring equality, liberation to all people in a manner of speaking. The progressives. This, is, this keeps on getting more and more fun here. The last two, by the way, I'll go ahead and ruin it. Controller conformists, they, the controllers try to find out how to control everything. Uh, and they are in control of everything, and thus they make the rules, the laws, all that to dictate how you can use a car. And the, the conformists, uh, they're the ones who just do what they're told. Okay, so I ruined those ones right there. The progressives and the libertarians are far more fun than that. Okay, so the progressives, they look at a car. You know what they say? How can I use this car to control everybody else's life? <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, when you look at it in context of our culture, that is exactly what happens. And by the way, I'll get more into this, but the, hold on, is there a laser pointer there? So no. There is. There's a little orange sunshine button. Sunshine button. All right. So the progressives right here, they're good friends with these guys, with the liberals. I'll explain that a little bit more here shortly. Uh, so the progressives, they look at people and they try to determine how they can best take advantage of a situation to give themselves more power. Where does this idea come from? Well, look at the term. Progressive. Politics and uh, science go very closely hand in hand, especially as you politicize science more and more. The reason why I say that is because the term progressive, I don't know if this is where its roots come from necessarily, but it's a word very similar to what? Evolution. <laughs> What's the philosophy of evolution? Survival of the fittest. What do the progressives want to be? They want to be at the top of the food chain. They want to be the fittest. Okay? Now, the libertarians, they're the most fun, but they're the simplest to describe. When they see a car driving down the road, they look to the person to their left who is begging, they look to their uh, liberal friend who's asking for, the, for them to give them a car. And the libertarian turns to him and says, get your own darn car. <laughs> Build your own darn car. <laughs> so libertarian is a very individualistic uh, thinker. They want to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Their idea of liberty is whatever my hands can produce, I can own. That's it. Very simple. Okay, they're very much free thinkers to the uh, highest degree. And of course, as I always said, the controllers and the conformists uh, to go along with that as well. So next slide here. Oops, I have to go back. Sorry. All right. So now we get into the political pizza. <clears throat> and uh, this model is something I devised and it came after lots of thought and actually particularly after the 2016 election. Uh, most specifically, even before that, uh, it started um, in the 2016, I guess you can say, primaries, the Republican primaries, as there are a lot, a wide range of uh, ideas going through the Republican primaries. 16 candidates, all of them bouncing different ideas off of one another. And uh, I'll tell you here in just a moment exactly how that all started up. But what I'm going to do first is uh, point something out. When we say political spectrum, like I said at the beginning, we normally think of a straight line. We normally think these guys right here are the opposites of these guys over here. That's not the case. These are totally different ways of thinking. 
almost 100%. Now, on this diagram, there's a line right here that looks like it could imply a spectrum, but actually what it does is implies a relationship. Let me explain here. Conservatives, like I said, that, uh, well, uh, conservatives right here, as illustrated, uh, see things as they are, and uh, they, uh, so when it comes to any document, be it the Constitution or whatever, they abide by the letter of the law, okay? Uh, and ultimately, the law is a solution for something. The liberals, they happen to have this grievance, uh, uh, this, this uh, belief system that's driven by grievance, and they want to see nothing more than justice. How are those two things related? Well, the conservatives, the way they devise a way to overcome injustice is through the law. And so the law itself brings equality. Not equal outcome, but simply puts everybody on a similar, on, on, a, on the same playing field. It makes it so that, the, so that you are free to accomplish whatever it is that you want. Now, mind you, I'm referring specifically as it relates to the Constitution. Uh, the liberals, however, when they look at the Constitution of the United States, what is it they see inherently? They see oppression. They see uh, people being left out of the picture. For instance, one of the common things that we say is the Constitution is written by a bunch of rich white males. And so who's left out of that? Well, you're, the blacks are left out of it. Women are left out of it. Uh, the homosexual community is left out of it. And now the transgender community is left out of it as well. So it's, it's, a, it's, so it's a document driven by rich white males, as they would say. And so they don't believe that the Constitution itself is good enough but rather there has to be things done to the Constitution or unconstitutionally to bring about justice, which is what we call the social justice movement. Okay? Now, where um, this entire idea kind of came from, though, so that liberal, conservative, and liberal, the relationship between them, where this idea really came from, though, is this phenomenon that happened in the 2016 election, uh, uh, Republican primary, sorry, uh, being that, uh, is anybody familiar with Ron Paul, Rand Paul? Jason, you know something about them? Yep. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so Ron Paul was a very popular libertarian candidate, uh, not in the 2016 election, but rather in the uh, prior elections, I think two or three elections in a row, Ron, uh, Ron Paul uh, ran as a libertarian, as an independent uh, for the president of the United States. He didn't get elected, obviously, but his son, Rand Paul, stuck with it and carried the libertarian banner into the Republican Party. So he participated in the Republican primaries. Um, and uh, the libertarian voters were just drawn to this guy because he was speaking their language until his funds dried up and he had to drop out. And so I thought, okay, well, this is great. At the time, Full disclosure, I was a Ted Cruz supporter, very closely aligned with Rand Paul in terms of the way they think and with how they review the Constitution. I thought, great, all of them are going to go to Ted Cruz. Not what happened. Something very, very strange happened that I could not wrap my mind around. Lots of those voters went to a man by the name of Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Did that make sense to anybody, by the way? Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Very bizarre phenomenon that happened. I think that I found out why that happened. So they identify, those, both sets of voters identify as libertarians, okay? 
But what you get is you get libertarian conservatives and libertarian liberals. And they're connected through this relationship right here. And I'll explain why the line here is, is important in terms of that relationship shortly. Um, but what happened is that uh, ultimately, let me explain what these are. So libertarian conservatives are those who they want every, as many factors, as much of the government out of their way as possible so they can maximize their lives and how much freedom they get to enjoy. Okay? <laughs> so libertarians love freedom and they love having government out of their way. They don't want those obstacles. Okay, so we see how that works into a more conservative frame of mind. The libertarian liberals, on the other hand, this might blow your mind, actually. The libertarian liberals, what they want is for government to get as much out of their way as possible so that they can live their lives. Now, that's very, very different thinking right there, but do you see the relationship? They both want to have obstacles out of their ways so they can live their lives the way that they want to. And they saw if Rand Paul couldn't do that for them by eliminating government control, they would go down here so the government can be the one to get the obstacles out of their way. Okay? Next thing here. We got these funny, fickle groups, the progressives. Now, as you look at this, you'll see that I have... Progressive, libertarian, libertarian, progressive. Progressives and libertarians are more so additives to the ideas of conservatism and liberalism. This one here and this one here are more or less standalones, and I'll talk about those in a second. Uh, the progressive liberals oftentimes come from the liberals. Okay? What do I mean? Lots of times when liberals see there's a grievance in society, they want to work to make the change. They see that they themselves are not capable of doing it, so what do they have to do? They have to organize. They have to become a leader. They have to take control. And once they got control, they want more control. Okay, so the natural progression of the circle, for the most part, is in a clockwise direction. So the liberal becomes, uh, starts to feel very victimized. They got to seize control. So what do they do? They become the progressive liberal and start scheming and devising ways of taking advantage of other people with the same mentality to achieve their ultimate goal, which is control. Across from them is the progressive conservative. We see there's a relationship there. And it's very clear in government that these two groups actually do exist and they do have a relationship. This is where we actually do bring into play the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. It used to be the Democrats were the liberals, were very much a grievance-driven um, uh, political party that sought to bring equality, so to speak. And even then, that's still kind of shoddy because progressivism took hold of it pretty quickly, actually. And, uh, but nonetheless, just think of it in those terms right now, that it was a grievance-driven party uh, where the uh, Republicans were very much a conservative party. They wanted to hold to the letter of the law of the Constitution. What ultimately happened is that uh, all of a sudden the Democrats transformed into progressives. They saw they needed more and more power in order to bring the change they wanted to see, and I would say other factors as well, uh, dealing with resources and so forth. Um, 
So uh, the progressives, they want to move toward control, but the progressive conservatives, on the other hand, they want control as well. But the funny thing is, with the relationship between these two, they all went to the same schools. They all believe the same things. And I, I haven't heard anybody say this necessarily, but my belief in my heart, these guys right here think that these guys up here are the smart ones. And they don't think that they can do what they do as well. So the progressive conservatives, they move more toward, conserv uh, toward conformity because they don't think they can out-progressive the progressive liberals. So we get to the idea of controller and conformist. The controllers are ultimately comprised of the elite progressive liberals. I think this is very easy to see as you look at, say, Congress, and you see somebody like Nancy Pelosi, who's in charge of the House of Representatives with an iron fist, more or less. I mean, there is no uh, denying that uh, she is very much the head of that party and of the Congress, uh, of the House of Representatives as it is. Down here, you have the conformists. And I heard this explained in a, in a in, why would anybody, a Republican who's opposed to Democrats, want to find themselves as the subjects of the controllers? Well, here's how I heard it best explained to me. These guys up here are very much like the Harlem Globetrotters. Anybody know who the Harlem Globetrotters are? Harlem Globetrotters. They travel the world, they play basketball, they do all sorts of awesome tricks. They are absolutely amazing to watch. They're on stage and they're just running circles around the other guy's airplane, scoring left and right on them. Maybe they have to win by a buzzer beater or something, but it's all staged. Well, at the end of the day, these guys are the other guys. Those are the other guys on the court with them. They're known as the Washington Generals. That's who they always play when they're in America. They play the Washington Generals and they just run circles around them. The Washington generals know they're going to lose the game. That's all there is to it. But they're happy to be on the court because they know they can't beat these guys up here. Oh, I'm sorry. They know they can't beat these guys up here. So if you can't beat them, join them and do their bidding, more or less, and make them look good, for, as a matter of fact. Uh, and I would say another reason why they move in this direction, and this is no secret either, there's a slight media bias against this side, this side. Uh, semi-hemisphere over here, if you will. <laughs> so uh, nobody wants to be looked at negatively, so what do you do? Well, you try to build a relationship uh, to bridge between you and these guys up here. Okay, so I think I went over all the terminology right here and how it all relates. Um, the significance of these lines, though, the, that connect them, isn't just the relationship, but it also shows how they can bypass this thought process of going from a liberal to progressive liberal controller, because really to get from over here to over here, you kind of do have to go through this process if you're doing it simply through a means of education. However, there are instances where there are exceptions. How many of you have heard of Candace Owens? Candace Owens, African-American woman, very conservative, but she wasn't always that way. She used to be a liberal voted D straight across the ballot. How did she make it over here to over here without going? And she did it like overnight. And it's a very quick process. And she came up with a term. I don't know if it's her that came up with the term, but uses a term called being red-pilled. Eyes opened up to the truth. So she was able to slide from over here 
to over here uh, with very little time involved, just eyes being opened up. That's also what you see in the relationship uh, with the Rand Paul voters to the uh, Bernie Sanders voters as well. Not, a, not as big of a leap as what we might think it to be because it's more or, le more or less like shoots and ladders. You know what I'm saying? You can slide down the ladder pretty quickly. It might take you a while to get to the top, but you can slide down the ladder quickly. Um, in the opposite end of it, conservatives moving over to liberal. That happens a lot too. We call that wokeness. And lots of uh, younger people use that term because they grew up in a conservative household. They go off to college, and what happens? They become woke. And that's a straight shot from there to there, and it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing. Come on, that's a question now, or should I wait? Oh, uh, go ahead. Why not? <laughs> so this last week, a group of evangelical Christian leaders signed a document and came out as uh, evangelicals for Biden. For what? For Biden. For Biden. Evangelicals for Biden. And these are people who, uh, in the past, had been thought of as theologically conservative. Mm. But they're supporting Biden for issues of environment, social justice, some of those kinds of things. They say, well, we're not for abortion, but, you know, that's something we'll just have to take the hit on that one because all these other issues are so important. Right. So, so where would a, someone who was a conservative has become an evangelical for Biden, like where would you put them on this? Where I put them on that? I would say they have uh, made their way over to the left side. I mean, I, I think pretty easily. Where exactly right here? I would say probably liberal because liberal, liberal. My, my, my honest opinion, liberals in their purest form are not necessarily bad people. I think their grievances are in their minds legitimate, that they, they want to help people. And like you said, they, they say that, well, um, yeah, that those are important issues that have to be taken care of. And so I think that they're liberal, liberal. They're probably authentic about it. However, the next illustration I'm about to give uh, might show something a little bit more sinister, I think. Um, and that being, please forgive me for this. People might be fans of this guy in here, but I'm going to just throw it out there anyway. Uh, again, this relates to the Republican primary, John Kasich. What happened to John Kasich? In the 90s, if you're unfamiliar, lots of young people here, John Kasich was part of Newt Gingrich's House of Representatives that was a very conservative House of Representatives. No doubt about it. And John Kasich was kind of his attack dog, that he pushed the conservative agenda like none other, and the Republican Party's agenda for that matter too, uh, in a way that you would not recognize him today. Well, then he became, over time, he became the governor of Ohio, and already he started to enforce laws, uh, you know, approve laws that seemed like they weren't here at all anymore, but rather they seemed a lot more like this over here. What happened right there? Did he take a straight shot? Did he go around the circle? I think he went around the circle, really, because I think it took some time. I think that he had lots of friends on this side. He saw what the media does to people on this side. And he's like, well, I'm really not everything that they're saying about me. So I'm going to start moving this way. But now after being the governor of Ohio, uh, during the 2016 election itself, as he's campaigning against his political rivals, uh, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and the others who were still in the race at the time, I think it was New Hampshire where they were going. And uh, John Kasich sought to win the voters in New Hampshire by, by making this statement. I am further to the left than Hillary Clinton. 
Now, what conservative, what Republican for that matter, trying to win votes would make a statement like, I am further to the left than Hillary Clinton. And in Israel, as you said, Hillary Clinton was a student of Saul Alinsky. So you don't get much further left than Hillary Clinton, and it may have been hyperbole, but at the same time, he's telling us something very important about himself. He's not this guy anymore. I think that's very important to understand. The next slide here, I've actually filled in some blanks. And is that clock accurate, by the way? Okay, just want to make sure. I don't trust clocks anymore. So. <laughs> this next slide right here, I filled in some blanks right here to help us all the more understand uh, this diagram right here and what's important to each one of these groups of people, to the conservatives, progressives, conformists. And let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit as well. This should be no surprise to people, but we're going to start at the top with a controller. What is the most important thing to them? Control. What does that result in? Tyranny. Very easy to understand, and they want to rule with an iron fist. We're going to do something a little bit different. Let's go to the right. Now, I said that the natural progression, it seems like to me, at least from what I've observed, it seems like you can go backwards, but... And by the way, I'm still hashing this out in terms of the relationships and all that. I want to make that clear. So there are certain things I'm not 100% certain of with this, but this is generally how I see it working. How is it then that somebody who is a tyrant, a controller, would end up over here? Libertarian conservative. That is a far cry from being a tyrant. However... What I think happens at times, and it's very, very rare, once you get up here, or, or for that matter, down here, it's very, I think those are probably the most difficult places to get out of because of comfort zone. Um, but uh, I would say that when they do come out, I think of this, uh, uh, this illustration, I believe the guy's name was Lao Tzu, he was a Chinese philosopher, uh, and I believe that he was responsible for the founding of Taoism, which is a Chinese philosophical construct, and he was approached by the emperor's people one day to bring him to the royal court and to be one of his advisors. And what his response back to them was something along the lines of, well, you know, I've been, to the, uh, I've been to his palace before, and I saw that he has these turtles, these golden statues of turtles, sitting on either side of the throne of the king. And they just sit there all day, and they don't do anything. Now, I see the turtle in the pond right here, and the turtle gets to swim around the pond as he pleases. Now, answer me this question. Which turtle would you rather be? The turtle sitting next to the throne that doesn't do anything all day, or the one swimming around in the pond? And, of course, the answer was, well, I want to be the turtle that's swimming around in the pond. I think that's a very reasonable answer, but that creates a lot of fear. What sorts of other animals are lurking inside of the pond? What sort of other creatures are in the woods? You know, there's a lot of danger to moving from here to here, especially if you were legitimately one of those. <laughs> Needless to say. Moving on to libertarians. So freedom. I mean, is that too far of a stretch to say libertarian conservatives? Number one priority and value is freedom. I, I think it's pretty reasonable to say that. Uh, that they don't want a lot of interference from either other people or the government or anything else in, inside their lives to make it more complicated or to take their attention and focus away from their families. Uh, you see a lot of self-governance going on right here. So you instill your values into your family and try to surround yourself with friends with like views so they have the same sort of influence on your family. Kind of like the church. Isn't that kind of funny? <laughs> 
So moving to the right right here, and I would say the way that we end up from libertarian conservative to conservative conservative uh, is because ultimately what you sort of see over time is that there is a need for a governing body of some sort to take care of basic needs. And that's not, not to say that libertarians are anarchists, by the way. I don't know that libertarians reject all forms of government necessarily. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a libertarian myself. I would say I do fall more under this right here. But you see that there are certain needs that you don't want to have to worry about, like, for instance, national defense, <laughs> you know, that you would rather entrust to another body uh, of government to be able to take care of. And so uh, conservatism uh, lands right here. And again, like I said, based very much around the ideas of law and order. And uh, a conservative's highest value, I believe, is responsibility. So you want to be responsible for your actions and you want to own up, uh, like if you, if you break a law, you, you want to pay the consequences for breaking that law because you know that in that respect, if you break a law, that basically puts you in debt to the government. You want to pay off that debt. And so responsibility is a very high value of the pure conservative. I would say that the way we get from here to here is actually through grievance, is actually through uh, guilt. Progressive conservatives, they arrive there, I think, in large part because of duty. Sorry to mention all these political names, but I can't help but to bring them up as I mean, they're perfect illustrations for this. I think of Marco Rubio, for instance, who is a, actually a very solid conservative overall, but he, there are certain things about him that, uh, uh, that didn't resonate with pure conservatives so much, namely, say, that of how to resolve illegal immigration. He was okay with the idea of amnesty. And I would say that that is, is more so on the side of grievance. And it's not enough to put him over here, but it's definitely enough to move him through the pizza. And then I think with enough battering and uh, guilting and all that, that it just gets tiresome to have to stand up and fight for your values so much that you just get exhausted. You feel like you don't really want to deal with the mess of being the one to tell people uh, what the right thing to do is all the time without having the power to get them to do it. And so ultimately, where do they land? Right here in the conformist area. Uh, I, I, I think of very much of where the Republican Party is right now. This is exactly where they were. Uh, if you can recall, uh, the Republicans held the House, the Senate, and the White House for two full years, and as far as the agenda that people want to see accomplished, how much of it did they get pushed through? Practically nothing. <laughs> and mind you, this is not me making a political statement. This is just reality as it is. They didn't accomplish a whole lot. Why is that? They are not used to being up here. And so when they had everything, they thought, well, we don't really, we'd really rather just uh, give the agenda over to the guys who are actually in the minority right now. And we'll let the Globetrotters set the stage uh, for the future. Well, the conformists rarely ever, but sometimes. Well, actually, I don't know. Come to think of it, maybe a little more often than what I would think. Move to a libertarian liberal. And I think this, again, driven by grievance right here. Uh, the idea that, that there's a lot of people that don't have what they have. In fact, lots of these people right here might be very well-to-do. And so they think, okay, well... Uh, going from here, I, I feel kind of guilty that I'm the rich one. I'm obeying all the laws. I'm doing the bidding of these guys up here. But what can we do 
or what am I owed, uh, to make things a little bit more equal for everyone else. And that is where we have the libertarian liberal. Oh, and I forgot to mention, their value down here, conformist, is cronyism. They're the, last time you've seen them in big corporations, they like to get cozy with the government and so forth in order to get their way and to uh, work along with them instead of oppose them. Anyway, had to throw that in there real quick because I forgot that word right there. Entitlement is the big word for libertarians. Who falls in this category by and large? Any thoughts? I'm not talking about political group, by the way. Uh, just a people group. Millennials. I was going to say, you're looking at one right now. I don't fall in this group, but my, our age range right there. We are the entitlement class. We are the ones that everybody is frightened about for the future because we are the entitled ones. You see why the socialist agenda goes, uh, resonates so well with us. It's because we believe that we are owed a lot of different things. We want everything out of our way so we can live our lives but we're, it's not that we want the government out of our way. It's not that we want things to be difficult and for us to remove our own obstacles. It's that we want the government to take those things out of our ways so that life can be a fairy tale, more or less. And that brings us right back. Uh, well, no, we didn't make it here yet. But then we get to uh, um, when we see entitlement. Entitlement can breed bitterness, envy, and so forth. We start looking at other people and what they don't have. And we start looking at the system as being unfair. Now, the funny thing is, these people right here are the ones that create the disparity. They're the ones taking from all the resources that could be distributed everywhere else, again, according to this side of, uh, of the circle. And, uh, but ultimately, what they see is this disparity of certain people that aren't receiving the sort of benefits that they're getting. So what happens? They start saying, well, it, things need to be more equal. And I, I think this is, a, again, I think this is a heartfelt uh, very um, uh, genuine sort of grievance that they have that they want to see everybody given equal amount of stuff. Very much a communistic mentality uh, when you think about it. And that brings us to liberalism, grievance uh, mentality right there. And then, of course, we talked about this quite a bit. We talked about this quite a bit, but uh, wanting equality, eventually, uh, when you add more and more grievance to that, you see that you have to take control. And then it moves to superiority. You see that you're the only one that's qualified to fix those problems. Therefore, you become a progressive liberal. But once you have a taste of a little bit of power, that's not enough. And that brings you back to the controller level, which uh, their value and who they are are the tyrants. Okay? So that is the political, the pizza of politics right there. And I believe that is actually, despite this slide right here, that's the end of that presentation. Do we have any questions to wrap things up? Not at all. All right. Oh, go ahead, Israel. Okay, so can you go back to the last slide, the extension pie? Can you go back to pie? Yeah, this one? Yeah, so, so you think uh, socialists then, for the most part, would be the entitlement, libertarian, liberal uh, in the early stages? I think in the early stages, yes. And uh, um, what I think, particularly when you get on this side, what you see is these two groups right here are the drivers of this entire side right here. More or less, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because what you see is a lot of taking advantage of people on this side. That uh, they want to accomplish their agenda up here. And so what do they do? They go back, they say, hey, liberals. Hey, hey uh, uh, socialists, you know, those who are entitled. I don't think they're called libertarian liberals per se, but, you know, the socialists. Uh, they say, hey... We have power. We 
can give you exactly what you want. You want obstacles out of your way? We can take those obstacles out of your way. You want equality and social justice? We can give you equality and social justice. Just give us the House, the Senate, the presidency, and Supreme Court, more or less. And they, and they do it under a cloak of darkness, more or less. And they, they have their contacts within them. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I, I, but I think that these two, more or less, I think that they're pretty genuine about what they want. I mean, who doesn't want free stuff? <laughs> so, okay, other questions? Jaden, you got a question? Um, why do liberals look at a car and then they're like, they want that car too? Why they want that car too? Well, I, I think they look at it in terms of that everybody should have the same stuff. Uh, that there shouldn't be people um, left out of, uh, of what the world has to offer. Uh, sort of this false belief that life is fair. I, you know. <laughs> Or should be fair, for that matter. Same. Other questions? Yeah, same, did I hear you say same? Yeah, sameness across the board, very much. All right, if not, that's the end of this first talk. All right, good job.